Hey everyone, welcome to the Opera Sky podcast. My name is Ricardo Monegas and I will be your host. On this podcast, we would like to share valuable knowledge, lessons learned, and stories from entrepreneurs, investors, and managers while running their businesses. We strive to ask the right questions and discover insights from our guests so you can apply them in your business and life right after each episode. Thanks for joining us and let's get started. Hi everyone, today we are talking with Peter Maslik. He is the co-founder and CEO of InvestTown. InvestTown is working on bringing uh, real estate investing to everyone. Uh, they are based in the Czech Republic and working hard to achieve these goals. So welcome, Peter. How are you doing? Hi, Ricardo. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Peter, so how how does this, this story start for you guys as Invest Town? So how do you come up with this idea of, of real estate investing platform as crowdfunding, for example? Right. It's actually a really, really interesting story. Um, crowdfunding itself is nothing that we come up, came up with. It's not a new concept. You know, it's something that has been working in the West, especially in the US for the past six, seven, eight years, uh, give or take. But it's something that, you know, here in Europe, we lacked a strong player in. And we've looked initially uh, at how we can change the statistics that you can see here in Europe versus the US. You know, around 55% of people in the US invest regularly in the stock market. Whereas here in Europe, that statistic's much lower, around 9%. Uh, you know, and these are numbers that don't really contribute well to, you know, financial education and to creating more intergeneration wealth, etc. So we took a look at how we can change that and how we can make a difference in this space. And, uh, you know, the main area and the main key problem is that people just don't trust uh, investments as much here, in, especially in Central and Eastern Europe, like they do in the Western and, and in the US. So um, we basically connected the dots and we're like, okay, real estate, really safe, right? Everybody trusts real estate. Everybody knows where it is. You can go see your investment. You can go touch it, basically, feel the bricks. Um, And, you know, we also wanted to tackle the problem that investing is a thing that was for the longest time considered just to be for the elite, for the rich. We wanted to make it accessible to everyone. So we've created a platform that combines these two factors where, you know, people can invest from as little as 20 euros and where every single, where every single investment is basically backed by a property and it's safe. Got it, got it. So, yeah, before going deeper into Invest Town and real estate, maybe we should, I will bring back to you personally. So, um, what is your background? How do you define yourself? And how, yeah, what makes you go to real estate in beforehand? Or is, is this your first experience in real estate or you were involved into the industry beforehand? Yeah. So I've personally been in startups my whole life. I think I spent around three months outside of a, outside of a startup since I was like 17, 18. So uh, this is my fifth startup. Um, I've been in fintech since early uh, 2010s, 2013, 14. And I've just stuck. I love the, I love the area. I love the, you know, the industry of investing. I really like the way that tech is changing that space right now. So I'm, I'm here to stay. I'm really happy there. Uh, Investown is my first project when it comes to real estate. I've been focusing on, on, on other investing areas on other markets before. 
but uh, it's definitely a very, very interesting and exciting area to be in and to explore. Good. And as your role as COO, how does it look your everyday activities right now? So what are the your your role as COO? What, what are the activities that you do daily basis? My job is basically to manage everything in operations. So Alan, uh, you know, our CEO can focus on the long-term vision and he can focus on bringing in more business. So my job is more... Uh, more focused on working really closely with our, our team leaders, with marketing, sales, finance, legal, etc., making sure that we hit our KPIs all across the board, making sure all of the processes are set and followed and that basically everything runs smoothly day to day. How many of you guys are as co-founders? So you, you mentioned Alan, CEO, CEO sorry. Uh, um, is there anyone else as a co-founder in the company? Yes, yes there's actually five of us. Mm -hmm. As uh, that's Philip, who's our CTO, uh, Vitek, who's our CIO, Chief Infrastructure Officer, and there's Dominic, who's a front-end developer. Got it, got it. So, um, and then you mentioned your role as a COO and, and manage KPIs and make sure everything is running smoothly. So how do you personally try to yourself keep running smoothly as well in physical activities or mental health? So how do you balance that? Uh, that work that's a great question if if i'm to be completely honest my work-life balance isn't amazing right now i just really like to focus on work um really like to give it my everything but you know i think it's really important to at least balance out some things in your life so i try to get as much exercise as possible here and there uh, mainly things that you know really help you shut off your brain and not think about work at all um And on the other hand, you know, you also have the aspect of, of mental health, which I don't think is talked enough, especially when it comes to, you know, the areas of finance and startup. So when you combine those two and you get fintech startups, you know, you get a group of people that really does not like to talk about mental health and about, <laughs> you know, that it's okay to struggle sometimes and it's okay to see a psychologist and, you know, and all of these things that we need to do. Uh, to make sure that we don't burn out or we don't go crazy. So I'm uh, really glad that you opened up that conversation, you know, because I personally think that taking care of your mental health is the only way to, you know, build a sustainable business without burning out, especially if you are working in something as fast-paced as a startup is. So for me personally, I try to uh, not let uh, the stress from work get to me as a, as a person. I just try to separate my personal and my and my work problems as, as much as possible. I also work uh, with a psychologist on a, on a regular basis. You know, I see it as a sort of a prevention thing. So not somewhere where you go once you have a problem, but somewhere where you go once in a while not to have that problem, for that not to become a big thing for you. And this is what I recommend to, you know, to all of our employees and, and to my friends when we talk about it. Got it, got it. Do you have any specific quote or anything that keeps you motivated when you are struggling or like how do you try? Yeah, you mentioned, of course, visiting a psychology or, or, or making exercise and so on. But do you have any reference that you try to always remember? Or? Um, not exactly, no. Not, not, not really a quote or not something, uh, you know, like a, like a book or a movie. What really keeps me going when it gets tough is, you know, the people around me. My coworkers, my my partners, our co-founders, you know, these are people that, that inspire me on a day-to-day -day basis. And when it gets really tough, you know, I just need to remember that I'm not doing this just for myself, but I'm doing it for everyone around me as well. So that's, I think, the best kind of motivation. 
Okay, good. Now making a let's say a sideways movement to, towards invest town and real estate investing. So you you mentioned in in the intro of invest town that you mentioned um, that um, people in in the central east European region don't are not used to investing, right? As or are not trusting too much the the platforms and so on. Maybe so. How do you f- feel right now after? few i think years already running or how, how much time have invest town running at the moment so, and uh, we're closing in on two years almost mm-hmm. yeah so almost two years running so how do you feel have changed that perception uh, in your experience uh you know what i i can't say that we've done everything that we wanted in to change the landscape of investing so far but we've definitely moved the market in the right direction um you know, our traction goes to show that people are ready for the product that we've built in little less than two years that we're online. We've amassed some 70,000 investors, which is amazing. We're very grateful for every single one of them. Um, but, you know, it goes to show that there is appetite in between people, even here in Central and Eastern Europe to invest. They just need the right tools. They just need the right platform and the right education. Mm-hmm. So... Uh- Mentioning about yeah that that success of seventy five thousand investors using the platform, so the, this is one of your most proud moments till now. Or can you mention what are the milestones that you consider the most important for you guys? I mean, the most important milestone for every startup is is you know raising funding. So <laughs> we've done through uh, we've done we've gone through three rounds of funding. Um, we're working with some excellent partners. That's definitely one of our greatest achievements. Uh, you know, I don't really like to separate uh, uh, the users or the count of users. It's like, okay, 50,000 is an achievement, 60,000 is an achievement. Because the way I see it is every single person that trusts us with their money, is that's a big deal to us. You know, that's that's something that's worth celebrating. That's something that's, that's an achievement. When it comes to, you know, actual number milestones, uh, earlier this year, we've reached 1 billion crowns invested through through our platform, which is around 40 million euros. So that was, uh, that was quite a big milestone. We definitely did celebrate that. Um, I, think, I, think those would, I think those would be definitely among the top shelf. Mm-hmm. And I assume not everything has been uh, pink color, of course, in the journey. So what has been some of the challenges or failures that you have faced, if you can disclose some of those, of course, and if we can talk about that and what have you learned out of that? Of course. I mean, apart from the fact that, you know, as, as in every startup, you just, you just make a lot of mistakes because you're trying to figure out something that nobody, no one's ever figured out before. Um, it's a part of the process and it shouldn't be something that's not talked about. You know, every startup has to go through making mistakes. The biggest advantage of us and of every successful startup is, uh, you know, the speed in which you are able to fail and learn from those failures and just reiterate, optimize and, and, and go for it again. Definitely some of our biggest failures, you know, uh, from the marketing point of view, we try to target the wrong people. We try to target, you know, the wrong media. Uh, from business point of view, we had to pivot our business model uh, because of the changes in the regulatory landscape in the European Union. Uh, you know, there, there, were, there were a bunch of setbacks in hiring uh, and letting people go. It's, it's iterations that we had to go through to learn and to get to where we are now. And, you know, we're by no means done making mistakes. <laughs> good so yeah so it's maybe more lessons coming up there <laughs> oh absolutely i can't wait for them 
then um, because you mentioned these 75,000 users, so um, do you consider that you, you have reached your product market fee at this stage or do you still consider you are in that finding so or yeah how do you measure product market fit as, as invest town because of course it's kind of an abstract concept that at the end of the day well every company needs to determine and, yeah and figure it out by themselves right i think i think our product market fit is pretty much confirmed right uh mm -hmm. we've estimated czech republic uh, to have the capacity of some 140, 150,000 investors, uh, you know, that, that could be potential clients of Investown. We are basically halfway there. So at a 50% market share, I think the product market fit can't be denied anymore. Now the question is, how do we make that product even better, right? Because it's not like we want to stagnate and be like, this is our product and this is where we're plateau mm -hmm. forever. So we're of course working on more initiatives. Uh, a big, big help in, in product development is our community, our, you know, investors themselves, they ask for features. They give us ideas of what they would like to see more of in the product. So we're definitely trying to incorporate that uh, into our thinking and into our, uh, you know, product design. But as well as, you know, competition, at the end of the day, competition is healthy for, uh, you know, the end users because it forces you to get better. So us trying to always stay on top of our competitors and trying to come up with a new Uh, sets of puzzles for our for our amazing product uh, just keeps us going forward. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you keep communication with the investors or users apart, of course, for the normal informing them about uh, new investment opportunities and so on? So, uh, how does it work the the communication with your product team uh, and customers? Do you have any way of achieving that in an easy way? I don't think there's anything uh, that deviates from the standard. You know, obviously we use uh, lots of emails, newsletter communication, push notifications inside the app. We do have a we do have a community platform where people give us you know feedback. They they post comments there. They post questions, and you know, obviously they they reach out to us a lot on on our own uh, chat support and, and email tickets. Mm -hmm. Good. And how how does it work right now on 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 the percentage of of users that are Czechs and foreigners because of course and like yeah what is the average or can you describe what is the typical user of of invest town so what is their background what do they do or is really spread out all the way right so uh, first of all um, 95 to 97% of our users are Czech because right now we are only operating in Czech Republic mm -hmm. uh, we are waiting for our European crowdfunding license which hopefully fingers crossed should arrive in the next two to three months that it, that will kick off our expansion into the rest of Europe that's when we can legally start onboarding customers from you know from abroad so usually customers from abroad right now is they, they are people that, that that live in Czech Republic they're expats so you know it's mostly it's mostly Czech people when it comes to a demographic uh, you know description of our of our user we've really tried to build investment with everyone in mind you know and I know that this is not uh, the, the correct product analysis and this is not the the correct answer when it comes to UI UX design because you need to know who you're designing the product for but when we take a look at the range of, of people that that invest with us they go from fresh 18 year olds that are trying to put their savings somewhere and they know that you know slowly but surely they have to start building their investment habits 
through you know young professionals 30 35 to 40 years who've got their careers going who've got a steady nice income got some savings and they want to put some money away into into safer investments all the way to you know people who are 60 70 and they basically are retirees with savings or uh, you know with with some previous investment experience who just really like our investment product and want to put in some money when it comes to you know what is the majority of people? They are definitely in the, you know, around the young professional uh, key demographics, 35 to 40, uh, got a couple of years in their career under the belt, maybe finally got to like the management position, maybe are finally making, you know, the good money and they uh, really realize the need to invest and, and want a safer place for their money. Got it, got it. So how... How do you feel that you compare about the traditional investing into into the banking solutions versus invest town? So because typically, of course, the the banks are are offering, let's say, mutual funds or versus real estate investing, like yours guys. Like, so how how do you feel? What are the pros and cons of of your platform compared to the typical mutual fund? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever tried to invest in a mutual fund through a bank or a banking app, but uh, that yeah. process is very painful, very lengthy, not at all user-friendly. And we wanted to do everything the other way around. We wanted to basically turn that on its head and make a product that is very easy to use, very intuitive. I think uh, you know our amazing product team has been very successful with this. We have very good feedback when it comes to you know product. Obviously, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Investdown is the only thing you should invest in, right? I'm not here to give investment advice in the first place. So, you know, everybody does their due diligence. That's how it should work. But uh, mainly, I think Investdown is a very good diversification and uh, should be part of, of every healthy portfolio. But I'm not, I'm not by any means saying that, you know, this, this is the only way to invest. I think uh, every investor should, uh, you know, take a look at how risky their portfolio is right now and should assess that compared to what is their personal risk tolerance and then just go the direction that that they choose uh, when it comes to the philosophy that we adopted when developing investdown we really tried to look at you know what is missing from this market and an investment that would be available from uh, you know as little as 20 euros and would be this safe while you know still offering really nice profits of 10, 10 and a half percent PA, uh, th that product just lacked from the market. So that's what we went for. Mm. Got it, got it. So now moving a bit out of, of the investing conversation, but more focusing into, you have several times mentioned your amazing product team. So uh, wh what does it mean a product team for you guys? So what is the ideal team that you you created to at least release the initial version of the software and, and now... The, the subsequent iterations of it. So what is the ideal team that you would recommend for an early stage founder uh, to find right. a um, partner? Every, every tech startup should heavily invest in really good, uh, really good software engineers and really good you know, developers because that is, that's your product, right? It's software. It's, it's a solution that you're, that you're selling. And if that doesn't work or it doesn't look good or it doesn't feel good, then you know you've got nothing of value to offer to people. You your investment thesis can be amazing, but if people hate using the app, if, if it doesn't work well, then you know you're not gonna you're not gonna be successful with that. So 
our team is comprised, of course, of, of really, really talented, uh, you know, programmers and developers. Uh, we're working with with product people when it comes to you know product management, uh, product owners, uh, of course, UI UX designers, and also the business side uh, of of the product to make sure that everything runs smoothly as a, as a business and operations. Mm -hmm. And what is the your current process of of product design and development? So if you can give us the big picture, so how do you keep a roadmap and how do you try to iterate the product so you get the feedback for customers and then ideal case responds properly to to the to their needs? Uh, right now we're getting to a point where we are uh, much more. You know, when it comes to startups, we are more mature than we were, let's say, a year ago. So we try to make more and more. Uh, well, ideally, you want to make all of the decisions based on data. That's not always 100% possible, especially not this early on when, in, in your startup journey. But we, we, we try to move towards more and more uh, decisions being made based on data. Uh, we're trying to incorporate as many business metrics into our product development as well as listening to what the users actually want. So we, we constantly collect, uh, you know, both qualitative and quantitative feedback. We try to turn that into, into features, into iterations of the product. And then, you know, it's, it's, I, I would say that our process is quite standard when it comes to the product design. Um, it goes through the user experience, uh, design first, user interface, right after that, uh, and then it just goes to development. Got it. And how do you prioritize your, your roadmap of activities in products? So do you have meetings, all of you guys together, CEO, uh, COO and product team uh, plus users? Or what? How does it work that process to decide, okay, this is the direction we need to go, at least till now, how, how does that work for you guys? Sometimes the decisions are much easier to make because, you know, if something is requested by 5,000 users in two, three months, then you know that's probably something that we should take a look at and do. Uh, otherwise, when there is no, uh, you know, no clear next step in the product development, we try to sit down and take a look at what could have the biggest business impact and where we could innovate, where we could, uh, you know, bring something new to the table and test it out as easily as possible because we we really believe in in you know launching mvps of everything first so we try to make an iteration that's quite easy to make that we can launch immediately get some feedback on it and then see if this is something that we want to really hone into perfection um of course it, it involves a lot of meetings of the product team and, and, and you know the business team just sitting together taking a look at what customers are saying taking a look at what uh you know our capacity is right now when it comes to the dev team and just trying to decide uh for the for the quickest wins that we can go for mm -hmm. yeah sometimes i feel like under uh, context of developing software you need of course to try to split the the work in in smaller pieces to try to get those wins because maybe <laughs> if you you just work too much time then you don't see the the wins so fast right so it's, it's important for motivation <laughs> good um now uh how do you make sure that yeah that the investors board members and stakeholders are are aligned with the product decisions as well. So how how does it work for you guys? So is everything aligned towards the KPIs or, or yeah, how, how do you feel into that direction 
that everyone understand okay why we took this product decision and not this one or yeah. I think the most important thing is to be aligned uh, like with a big vision right like we know where we want to take product um, we know where we want to take the company uh, within the next couple of years and everybody that we work with whether that's our employees whether that's our partners whether that's our investors uh, you know they've been onboarded with this vision in mind. So we're very, very much aligned in where the product is going in the next couple of years. When it comes to the small iterations, um, it's mainly uh, up to the investors, not really up to the you know stakeholders or, or investors into the company or even us as, as, you know, as, as founders, as, as the team. But it's mainly the users that, that use our app. They get to decide you know, what should be next in these small, small steps. But when it comes, if you're asking me about the bigger picture, then it's important that everybody's aligned right from the start, because that's the last thing that you want to do as a startup founder. You've got, believe me, you've got enough problems as it is on a day-to-day basis, right? You don't want to go around and have to convince every one of your investors or every one of your partners that the decision that you just took is the right decision. Mm-hmm. Got it, got it. Well, you have done this several times, so I assume that it has you have experienced some of these complications. So how do you feel uh, of your mindset in the current startup compared to the previous one? So do you have any learnings of previous startups you collaborate with or, or, or built? So yeah, what are the lessons that you get out of, of other startups that maybe fail or, yeah. I mean, absolutely. You, you've, you've got to learn, right? Like, um, there's no point in doing something and doing it the same way over and over again. That's uh, according to Einstein, I think that's the famous quote, right? As the definition of insanity, doing the same thing and expecting different results. But, um, you know, you learn something new from, uh, from, every, from every startup that you go through or even from every company it doesn't have to necessarily be a startup. For me personally, uh, you know, I've, I've went through a long iteration and long journey of uh, trying to come up with a, with an original yet uh, quite convenient management style that would fit both, you know, me and the, and the people that I'm, that I'm managing. Um, mainly a lot of, you know, mistakes when it comes to fundraising, when it comes to decisions that you take, uh, that are not necessarily product or hiring based, but more like business based. When do we prioritize uh, creating revenue versus where do we prioritize uh, just growing and burning through more money and shortening our runway? It's, it's really hard to just point one or two key areas because as I, as I mentioned before, like you, you make a lot of mistakes in a startup and that's, that's okay. That's what you have to go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned that point. So it's like, what is your takeaway of, of that? Right. So when of priority sizing, uh, what metric to prioritize size depending on the stage of the startup. So let's say if, if you are pre-product market fit, what is your feedback on where what where to focus there? So you just need to maybe just borrow the money to achieve the market fit as fast as possible, or or do you think it needs to be some kind of a balance uh, between making sure that you have enough runway to keep alive, but at the same time make the highest effort to find product market fit compared to post-product market fit? What could be the other focus after that? So maybe we can talk about these two phases of of a startup. I don't think I can give you an answer that would be correct for everyone, you know, for every startup. For me personally, the way I see it, it's your risk tolerance changes as you go through, you know, your first, second, third, et cetera, startups. 
like uh, right now, Investdown is my fifth startup. And, you know, at this point, you know that, you know, your uh, capacity to raise money, you know, you know, your capacity of, of the market fit that you need to achieve to raise money. So I don't mind going a little more aggressively and just trying to achieve that product market fit faster, even if it means shortening the runway. Because I know as soon as I achieve that product market fit, I can raise the next series. I can raise a funding round because I have achieved that product market. Now, if you're a first or second time founder, this, this can be a little more risky. And I would suggest that, you know, you take a little more time and you, you prolong your runway as, as long as possible. But it's also important to say that you can't ignore, you know, the, the economic situations because uh, right now raising money is not easy. Uh, you know, especially not with uh, what's going on in the U.S. with uh, with uh, Silicon Valley banks falling, uh, you know, uh, economic recession looming over us. So I think it's really important to sit down and be aligned with the rest of the founders that you have in your team and agree on a strategy that you're going to go for and then just stick to your guns. Don't change it midway. Don't decide at all. Oh, maybe let's try this. Just, you know, just see it through. Got it, got it. Yeah, so it needs to... Yeah, uh, take a tough decision and go through it, <laughs> and then you see if you yeah, succeed or not later on. <laughs> you're you're going to doubt the decision many many times, whichever decision you make, right? Like you're going to just sit there in the evening in an empty office and be like, should I have done the other thing? But you know, at that point, it, there's no there's no reason for you to change course, or there's no point in doubting yourself because you'll only see that retrospectively, maybe in a year, maybe in two years. Uh, and you'll be able to see, okay, I made the right decision or, okay, uh, we, we made a decision that wasn't ideal, but we managed to go through it. And now the next time we fi- face a similar decision, we'll take that into consideration. Mm-hmm. Great, great. Thanks for that. So now moving forward towards the Czech Republic and the real estate uh, market. So, um, so you, you, you are let's say one piece of the of the players in into this game of investing and, and so on so and um so how do you feel uh, what is the current status of the real estate development in the Czech Republic uh, if you can comment on that so do you feel like there is a lot of real estate projects happening or is is or there is still a, a lack of, of offers in the market so what is your feeling into this Going back again to the economic situation right now, you can definitely see a little bit of a slowdown in the terms of the new projects popping up and you know new buildings being built. But that does not, by any means, that, that you know that uh, it's stopped altogether. There's definitely still development going on. When it comes to the real estate market in general, I think Czech Republic is positioned really, really well right now. And in the next 10 years, I think this industry will continue booming. Again, I'm not commenting on the prices or on the fact whether you know the price of the of, of houses will go 10% up or down in average in the next year or two. Depending on the economic situation, I'm talking more long term, next 10, next 20 years. Uh, I, I see a lot of potential in the market here in the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. So, um, based on the projects that you are funding in Invest Town, so what are the cities or that you see that are more development happening? Or, yeah, can, can you talk about that? So, what, what do you feel are the areas or cities where people is putting more investment and development of the region? I mean, uh, 
I think this is the common denominator for every country, but the capital city, you know, mm -hmm. Prague, of course, gets most of the investors' attention. It gets most of the project's development because that's where the money is flowing in. But there are other cities like Brno and Ostrava where, you know, you see, you definitely see things happening and, and things growing as well. That's not to say that there are no developments going on in other regions. Uh, but for example, when it comes to the interest of investors that we see on our platform, people tend to focus more on the bigger cities and they tend to invest more money into them. Mm -hmm. So what is the process that a real estate developer company needs to follow in to apply to, to work with you guys as investing into the crowdfunding platform? So can you walk us through a bit and the big picture of that process? Right. Uh, I think maybe maybe uh, I'll just really briefly explain how Investdown works mm -hmm. um, as a real estate crowdfunding platform. Basically, what it means is on one hand, we have investors that are that are wanting to invest in some properties, wanting to invest in some real estate. And on the other hand, we have real estate developers that need their project funded. And we as a platform connect these two where, you know, real estate developers put a project on, their, on our platform and investors can choose how much they want to invest in it. And then they get monthly uh, recurring payments from the from the real estate developers, and at the end of the fixed term, which is usually you know within twelve months to twenty four months to thirty six months, they get back their premium. So meaning the money that they invested initially, uh, it's basically invest down in a nutshell. But you know to go to your question, uh, real estate developers basically go through a very very rigorous uh, risk analysis process because we. We as investors, we focus primarily on keeping you know investors' money safe. Sure, we want to generate returns, we want to make money, but we want to make sure that the money is you know in a safe place in a in a project that is positioned to su succeed, that is done by a company that really knows what they're doing, and can carry it to a successful end. So uh, we've created a set of you know rigorous risk analysis processes where we check their business plans, we check their financial health of the company, we check, uh, you know, what is the intention, how they're trying to generate money from that project that they're building. And we basically dig down all the way to the management of the company and we see what previous projects did they do uh, to make sure that only the best of the best projects uh, get approved on the platform. Once they go through the approval process, then we publish them on the platform and uh, investors can choose whether they want or not to invest in, in, the, in that specific uh, real estate development. If, it's get, if it gets successfully funded, which uh, as of now, I have to say 100% of the projects that we've approved and put on the platform got successfully funded, which is, which is amazing. Um, so once you know, it gets successfully funded, we take those proceeds and then we send that to the real estate developer for them to start working on their project. Mm -hmm. and do you have any mechanisms to, f to make sure that they are achieving the milestones that they promise into their business plan? Or how, how, how does it work for you guys? Because I assume it's a lot of work. Imagine if you need to check every project <laughs> that you have been funding. Uh, so first of all, we definitely do work with uh, the real estate developers, you know, throughout the the time that they they've been funded with us, trying to make sure that they are sticking to the schedule, that they are sticking to the budgets that they you know showed us in the, in the beginning. Of course, this is more their area than ours. Uh, you know, they are way more experienced in this, and this is their business, not ours. Uh, so we try to help where we can. We try to connect them with whoever we can when uh, you know they. They need a contact, etc. But it's mainly up to them. 
so far, uh, I have to say out of 200, a little above 200 projects that we did uh, on our platform, only one has uh, been, uh, it, it's basically gotten to, a, to the point where it's taking a little longer than expected. So they fell behind the schedule. Uh, it's still undergoing, it's still on the way, it's looking great, but it's going to take a little longer uh, than expected. All of the other ones are are on on great track, which is really good to see. Good, good. Um, I see that. Uh, yeah, I can because I've been participating as well in Best Town itself, so I can as an investor, so I can see that. Of course, the projects in in Prague are a matter of that. You basically uh, you need to have funds already into the platform because if not, you you cannot invest because in few minutes or whatever, it just disappears. The project is fully funded. Um, compared, of course, to to other projects of other cities or maybe based on the experience of the of the of the real estate developer and and the descriptions that you guys have there. So, um, yeah, I have. How do you feel into that? So how do you improve that maybe the the companies we are early, the companies that are maybe new or are in an area, how do you try to promote them to bring more value to them as well? So how do you try to close that gap that, that the time is not so long to raise the funds? Right. So, I mean, first of all, we, we don't really fund companies that are like first time builders because mm -hmm. we really want to mitigate that risk for our investors to make sure that, you know, they only invest in like seasoned, seasoned uh, companies and, and people with, with really good track record. But, um, you know, obviously, as you mentioned, there are like less attractive locations. Uh, usually these can be compensated by putting in a little bit of a higher yield. And, you know, we have to make sure that the project is communicated really well, uh, both visually and verbally, that investors have enough information to know that this is a project that has a lot of potential. And then it's really up to them. You know, we don't really try to push any projects in their faces and be like, you should invest in this as well. It, we really leave it up to them where, where they want to put their money. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I also see that you, you are you, one of your investors is see the starter Francesco Spositalna. So how has been that cooperation with Siga Starter and maybe have they helped you as well into the process of understanding about how to handle the loans and how to evaluate the and do the risk evaluation since they are part of a bank group. So how how is that collaboration with them and Absolutely. It's been invaluable. I mean, Seedstarter has invested uh, in, in seed round, uh, you know, and it's not just about the fact that they gave us money, which, you know, as a startup, that's a great thing to have money, <laughs> but it's also about, you know, their expertise, their connections and their knowledge that we can use. When we were creating, you know, risk analysis processes, we leaned heavily on them. Uh, as you mentioned, how to handle loans, you know, how to handle the repayment systems and, um, we, we rely heavily on their data because they have, you know, of course, mass, massive, massive share of the Czech market. They're the Česká Spositelna is the largest commercial bank uh, in the Czech Republic. So we really uh, are lucky that we're able to use, uh, you know, their insights and their, and their market access. Uh, they've been a really strong partner when it comes to branding. Uh, you know, since uh, we use their branding on our website, we say that we are uh, a project that is funded by Seastarter, by Česká Spositelna, which is something that people really like to see. Uh, because as I mentioned in the beginning, you know, people here in Central and Eastern Europe, they're not trusting people. 
you know, they're very skeptical. They are really wary of scams and so forth. So uh, the, 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 branding, the branding of Česká spořitelna really helped us, you know, establish trust between us and the customers. Yeah, me, me personally, when the selecting investment platforms, of course, one of them is that is, of course, is partner with a trustworthy trust Absolutely. Or, or a long-term, long-term partner, right? And or someone who have some track record and also another way to filter it is about design, as you mentioned. So I, I, just watching if you have a landing page that is not really good design or is not communicating well, maybe it sounds silly, but I, I don't know if it's a matter of generation as a min, millennial or generation said afterward, if they are more focused in design than, than previous generations, right? Well, there was no websites before, right? So, so, um, so maybe it's about that. I don't know, but yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's the whole package, right? Like you want to, uh, you want to work with a service that you feel like you can trust, that mm. you feel that can be your long-term partner. And if you know, if it's the same thing as if you went to a shop, uh, it doesn't matter how good their vegetables and goods are if they are just thrown you know there on the ground it's going to look horrible and you're going to walk away right so the presentation also needs to be good as well as the product mm, got it good yeah um now maybe not something um i was planning to talk here but it's like um do you have any specific uh, um ideas or future plans about personal finances itself or you you plan to stick to to Because I, I feel like some of the, like maybe one way to, of course, improve the region towards investing, of course, is how to help them, to educate them towards personal finances, whether should be their daily, weekly activities, monthly activities towards personal finances. Do you have any any ideas into this sector or you for now continue planning more into improving the product itself on real estate or you're planning to go into other directions as well in the future yeah. uh, we definitely plan on focusing more on uh, you know financial education of, mm -hmm. of uh, czech people and not just czech people but all the other countries that we're planning on uh, expanding to um us uh, you know europeans as as the central and eastern european region specifically we you know when you consider all the social political environment and what's been going on here you know capitalism is quite new here when you compare us you know to western europe and to the us uh, so people have not had the chance to learn as much about it from their parents because uh, you know basically when when most of most of our parents uh, i'm a millennial as well so when most of our parents were growing up you know there was no capitalism basically so they didn't really learn the importance of investing from their parents and them from their parents so um, you know this is something that we would definitely like to take a look at and and change I think for now, we're only planning to use Investown uh, for it as like, listen, this is a great starting point for your investment career, uh, for your investment journey. You know, not saying that you should only stick to Investown and only invest in Investown again, but uh, we make it really easy to enter the, the investing world with, you know, as little as 20 euros. So a great place to start and give it a try. And then sort of from there, take it to more general education of why it's important to invest regularly you know, why is it important to start building your, your wealth uh, and compounding your interests from, from early on and so forth. 
Got it, got it. So now moving more on your business experience and advice for future entrepreneurs and so on. So in the Czech Republic, we, do you have any recommendations of institutions to follow and, and to make sure that if you are in a fintech, for example, you should go to these events or or mentors or companies that you recommend to follow? Do you have any uh, mentions of these? Uh, definitely, if, if you're getting into startups, you know, there are a, a couple of must-read uh, medias. Like, you should definitely read CheckCrunch every day. You're probably looking at Forbes and, and medias like this that, that write about the environment that you're in. Uh, I think it's pretty much up to everyone uh, to realize who their ideal mentor is. What do they look like? And, you know, what do they talk like? What is the idea that they're trying to promote? And then go for that. Uh, in general, not just for fintech founders, but if, if you are in startup, go to as many events as possible because those connections that you make there with other founders, with investors, they are the difference between a successful and an unsuccessful startup. You know, none of us uh, who are running a startup that's that's doing well is making it on our own. We all rely heavily on our business partners, on our mentors and on our investors. So definitely go out make those connections networking sometimes is you know unpleasant it feels forced it feels a bit awkward in the beginning but once you get into it you know you realize that everybody is there for the same reason as you everybody just wants to meet really cool people exchange really interesting ideas and you know create friendships and partnerships that can last years and years good well maybe of course Uh, as we were talking about see the starter so maybe see the starter of course is one place to 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 collaborate Absolutely. with in the context I mean, so, is, so is every other investor that we work with you know we've been really lucky to to work with really good partners uh, again i would definitely recommend seed starter as a as a place to go and get invested by or you know a place to to partner up with because we've had amazing experiences with them but i'm not going to sit here and say that this is the right path for everyone you know because it might not be yeah yeah exactly well it depends of course on the industry you're participating on and so on of course yeah um now for you as um of your personal development and growing professionally as well so what are the podcast books or other sources that you follow if you follow anything of these <laughs> Uh, of course, uh, you know, I wish I had more time to read. Uh, so usually my reading is mostly done on Headway and Blinks now, which is, I don't know if you're familiar, but they are the apps that sort of summarize the key points from yeah. the book. So you don't have to go through every single line through all the books, but you just get, you know, the most important things. This allows me to get through five, six books a week, you know, instead of, instead of one. Uh, recently, I've been uh, at the recommendation of my colleague. I've been reading uh, The Hard Thing About The Hard Things. By Ben Horowitz, amazing book. Um, there's uh, when it comes to podcasts, you know, there's so many, so many good ones. My favorite one right now is Business Wars, uh, which always tells a story of you know two competing companies or you know uh, two companies that entered the space at the same time and competed for market shares. And it, there's always interesting stories. Uh, when it comes to websites, I love Founders Finders. Um, they usually talk about raising money, talk about pitch decks, uh, you know, how uh, to strategize when you're going into meetings with investors and so forth. So there's definitely, definitely a lot, a lot of media to consume. It also depends on, you know, the preference. I personally don't really like to, you know, consume much uh, video content. I just prefer to stick to audio and, and text. 
But, you know, I'm sure that on YouTube, you'll find high quality channels that talk about startups and business. Yeah. So what is your experience with these summary applications, summary books, applications? Do you, do you think they, they have conveyed the entire point of the book in, in the summary from your perspective or how do you feel into that? It's, I know it's a controversial topic, especially amongst book lovers. Uh, you know, I understand the fact that I'm not getting every single piece of information that I'm, that I need from that. But at the same time, for the amount of time that I'm exchanging and I'm putting into it, the information that I'm getting out is really, really good. So for me personally, really good experience. I, w I would recommend it. I'm not saying that, you know, people, everybody will love it. There, there might be some people that are interested more into those little stories, you know, around mm -hmm. the key areas of the book. But uh, for me personally, it's more about getting the information in a quick and easy manner. Yeah, okay. Well, I, of course, I understand. I am typically more audiobooks, but yeah, at the moment, I am asking as well personally because right now I, I I listen to audiobooks, but are the full books. So of course, it's is is long hours compared to to actually getting the summary of the book, and maybe it will be easier to get the points and the key values. And then there are maybe even people who actually do both stuff is that you have the summary and then if you like the summary then maybe they go to the big <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly why not but yeah it's it, yeah it, it's about time right of course um now talking about the future of of invest town so you mentioned of course you are planning a lot of of work towards the european expansion so what what would be the first country you're planning to go if that's possible to talk about And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the first, the first stop is definitely Slovakia for us. Mm -hmm. You know, when it comes to Czech and Slovak startups, us, uh, you know, we used to be one country uh, before. Uh, languages are very similar, mentality very similar. You know, demographics and and economical situation is very similar. So that is kind of like a mandatory expansion that you need to go through. Uh, you know, to prove to yourself and you know to your investors and to your business partners that your system can handle expansion, can handle another currency. They use euro in Slovakia, of course. So that's the first stop. And then, you know, we are looking at other countries with really st strong Erste Group presence because we really want to capitalize on the fact that we are partnered with such a strong partner. So that would be, uh, you know, Austria, Hungary, uh, Romania, etc. Mm -hmm. Good, good. And is there any disclose of what are the upcoming or Uh, features that you will have in in best town that maybe could be interesting for people who are listening to us and, and joining sure. as an investor. Sure, why not? Uh, right now we're working on launching a really good portfolio overview. Uh, basically, you know, a, a tab in the application where you can take a look at how your investments are performing, not just one by one, but as a whole. You know, statistically, what is your average PA? What is the average length of investment? Sort of like, uh, you know for each investor to be able to take a look at their portfolio as a whole and be like, okay, so this is my profile. Uh, this is who I am as an investor and decide if that's the right way, if they want to stick to their guns and be like, yes, I want to do more of this or maybe consider adding uh, more alternative, you know, styles of investing as well. So for example, if you've only invested in projects that are 36 months and longer, you know, maybe you want to take a look at some shorter term projects as well uh, to diversify your portfolio a little more with us. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah. So, 
thank you very much, Peter, for your time today. So how can people reach you out if they want to connect more with you, know more about Invest Town or your work personally? Uh, thank, thanks very much for having me, Ricardo. Uh, you know, if anyone wants to get in touch, uh, I think the easiest thing would be, first of all, you know, check out Investdown at investdown.cz or investdown.com, obviously. Uh, but me personally, I'm on LinkedIn and you can reach me via Investdown email as well. So that would be peter at investdown.cz. Okay. So again, thank you very much, Peter, for your time today. I hope you have enjoyed the conversation if I did. And of course, all the success with your new uh, plans with Investdown and the future. So uh, hopefully we can keep talking and, and watching the growth of, of your company. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> See you around. See you. Thank you very much for joining us. We hope you have enjoyed this episode and gained valuable insights. Feel free to share with your friends and looking forward to seeing you next time.